from the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Red Raiders podcast, Red Raiders football podcast, brought to you each week by the sports department of the Avalanche Journal and AJ Media. I'm Don Williams, uh, Texas Tech football beat writer, normally joined by AJ Media sports editor Carlos Silva Jr., but Carlos is living it up and uh, having fun up at uh, Big 12 Basketball Media Days, where uh, Chris Beard is uh, uh, among the coaches visiting with the media today. So, in look, so Carlos is out this week and. Uh, we bring in a special guest to fill Carlos's um, seat. It is KLBK's Ryan King. You see him on television. Uh, tell us, give us a job description, Ryan. First of all, I'd like to say I'm not a guest anymore. This would be my third. <laughs> I've already had a couple with Carlos. It's, it's different because I'm with you. Uh, now you can just call me Sports Reporter slash Weekend Anchor uh, Gopher. You know, just go and get all the stuff for uh, KLBK. In general, everythinglubbock.com. You want to see some packages, go to my Twitter, see them, go online. Uh, we'll get to that later on. I don't want to do too much self-promotion here at the beginning. I'm just honored. I to thought you were assistant sports director, honestly, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> Anyhow, we uh, had you on for uh, talking a little bit of Texas Tech football. Red Raiders coming off a, a loss Saturday to Iowa State, 34-24. to Cyclone spoiled homecoming at Jones AT&T Stadium. This week it is uh, Texas Tech at Kansas, Saturday night, 6 p.m. up in Lawrence. Interesting thing about, and we'll go back to Iowa State, I guess. Let's go back to Iowa State real quickly. But uh, uh, your your impression of the Red Raiders on Saturday, this past Saturday, Ryan? Well, a couple of these, a couple of the problems have already been brought up a lot on social media. Coach Wells talked about it a lot, but the two main ones are going to be in this game and in general, they're not converting on turnovers. Coach Wells talked about that. They've had 13 turnovers, scored 26 points on the season. I don't have any stats based on what other teams have done with turnovers, but two points per turnover, you're not capitalizing. Doesn't seem like enough to you? Does not seem like enough to me. What do I know? I'm not Coach Wells. The other problem is, even when you're not turning, he mentioned they scored in a couple three and outs. They got two touchdowns on three and outs. But when you're down 20 to nothing that early against a good Iowa State team, there's not really a whole lot you can do because they clearly played wetter, better throughout the rest of the game. I mean, they outscored them, what, 24 to 10. But when you, when you give up three touchdowns in the first quarter in a you know, few minutes, you're just digging yourself too big of a hole. And when you're not capitalizing on opportunities, that's a recipe to not beat a good team like Iowa State. Yeah, it probably didn't, it didn't stick with me in real time, but it was only in hindsight that you think back and remember – well, Iowa State was building a 20 nothing lead. Texas Tech had two big drops on third down. McLean Mannix uh, dropped a pass, and Travis Coons dropped a pass, both that would have kept early series going for the Red Raiders, turned third, down, third downs into first downs, and those mm-hmm. drops meant punts, gave it back to Iowa State, and, and then they build that 20 nothing lead. It's those little plays they're today. mentioned about. Like Oklahoma, in the Oklahoma game, you know, Coach Patterson was talking about just a couple little plays can keep us in it. Yeah, it would have. He would have taken a lot of little plays. Keeping it keep close, though. Keeping it game. close. <laughs> but, yeah. This week, uh, Texas Tech at Kansas. Um, been up there a lot of times. Interesting thing to, about this one to me is this is the first time – this is the second time that these two teams have played a night game since 2002. They played a night game here in 2016. They played a night game here in 2005. They played a night game here in 2001. 
these teams generally play in the daytime. They generally play at 11 a.m. or 2.30 p.m. Um, I have not covered a night game between Tech and KU in Lawrence. I'm not sure that they've ever played a night game up there. If so, it was it was 1970 or before, so it'll be a little different. Uh, it'll be a little different setting. And uh, Ryan, Kansas is going to be uh, Kansas. I would think would be pretty fired up with after they gave uh, Texas quite a run Saturday night. That was a heck of a game. I mean, there's a couple ways you can look at that. I do. I mean, I do agree they're that close. And they're still looking for that first conference win. But a lot of times, you can see a team like that come really close to pulling off the upset, doing something you didn't expect out of them. But then it's too much. They got really up for that game. They couldn't quite get it done. And then the emotion isn't there for the next game. So if I'm Tech, I'm not taking them lightly. I mean, they were right there beating about to beat Texas. But at the same time, that is a you're not supposed to be in that game if you're Kansas, but that's still a pretty crushing loss at the end of the day. Yeah, well, and I wondered if there was some of that at play with Texas Tech last week, too, mm-hmm. after you had been, expended a ton of energy and emotion against Oklahoma State two weeks ago to win a big game, and then very same thing the next week against Baylor, mm-hmm. laid it all, you know, put it all on the line, laid it out, didn't didn't win, and then you come back against Iowa State, and that same level of effort and intensity is maybe not there. Um, let's get to the questions. Uh, Brett Marmaleo asks, with how many screen passes Texas Tech threw on Saturday, does David Yost really have a lot of confidence in Duffy? And I think he means, does David Yost not really have a lot of confidence in Duffy? Uh, I'll get to that part here, but when we asked Coach Wells at the weekly press conference, we asked him, you know, I think it was you actually, it may have been you asking, you know, there was a lot of screens, there were a lot of bubbles. Why was that kind of hinting towards, was there trust in the quarterback, is there trust in the offense? But he answered it, that's what they were giving us. He said, that's what Iowa State, they were clogging up the middle. They weren't letting us get deep, so they were allowing those screen passes to be open. So why would we not take them? Having said that, they're never going to admit this. But no, I don't think they have confidence in him because they, it was the same thing with uh, Bowman, though. They weren't letting him really throw downfield either. And that was one of the questions we were getting early after the first couple weeks is, when is Alan Bowman going to finally be allowed to throw downfield? And I just don't think this coaching staff is very confident with it yet because it is still the first year implementing the system. So if you want an easy answer, I'd say, no, they're not super confident with him. But at the same time, what Iowa State was giving them was the easy screens and bubbles, so they're going to take them. Yeah, I got okay. I got a lot of thoughts on these, so I'll try to I'll try to condense. I'll try to condense them. Duffy was forty out of fifty-two. Here, here's the numbers how they broke down the bubbles and the hitches. There were sixteen of those. Mm-hmm. Then there were nine passes that were either swing passes, passes into the flat, or checkdowns to the running back. So there are twenty-five out of fifty-two passes that were uh, basically horizontal passes. There were. And the numbers don't add up to 52 here because there are about three or four times that Jet Duffy did look to throw. Mm-hmm. Looked to throw kind of in the middle, looked to throw deeper. Didn't see anybody, tucked it and ran. And so other passes, what I had labeled as kind of other passes that were not bubbles, hitches, swings, or flat passes, there are 28 instances of that. So it wasn't at – so basically the numbers were about 45% horizontal passes. And in watching it and rewatching that game a couple of times, what was what kind of stood out was Iowa State's playing uh, three man front and dropping eight virtually every snap. They didn't blitz at all, um, and so visually, if you're Jet Duffy, what you're seeing is three three down linemen, uh, five five defenders on the second level and three defenders on the third and a lot of ser- a lot of snaps and other snaps you're seeing four defenders on the second level and four defenders on the third they're playing like a, a cover 3 a lot of times and they're playing with that 
position, the technique that you call robber, where they had Braxton Lewis, number 33, or Greg Eisworth, number 12, basically playing a middle safety that's between the linebackers, that's behind the linebackers and in front of the your deep secondary guys. And those guys are really good, really impressive football players. And so could Duffy have thrown it more vertically, more shots into the middle? Yeah, but if he had done that, the, but the windows are very narrow. You're basically, they're basically using eight guys to cover four or five. So if Duffy does throw more vertical, more shots into the middle, it is uh, – then we're sitting here talking about, why is Jeff Duffy throwing into double coverage so much? That, that's what Iowa State is presenting to you. And the other question is, okay, on the outside, why you don't run more verticals? Because the cornerbacks were bailing a lot. They weren't playing you press very much. They were turning and running when they saw Vasher and Ezekonma take – appear to be wanting to run vertical routes. And so what you saw was, particularly in the second half, you saw some of the pass routes that – Duffy completed to the outside receivers were comeback routes where you're pl- they're playing soft cushions, so it doesn't do you any good to run 20, 30 yards downfield when you have the corner five yards in front of you and safety's coming over, so they're taking comeback routes. Now we're successful with a couple of those. So I, th- I think it's a combination of Iowa State's defense kind of dictated what mm-hmm. you do. Um and I think it's also you got to remember, kind of going back to the question, middle of August, Jet Duffy, by by appearances in August, Jet Duffy is probably the four, fourth choice at quarterback mm-hmm. for this team because I thought it was very eye-opening in middle of August when we were sitting asking Matt Wills about Maverick, could Maverick McIver be the number two quarterback? And <laughs> or, or, or I assumed he would say Jet Duffy is the number two quarterback. That, that, that would be a given, right? But he didn't say that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Oklahoma game. Um, Tyner came in. Tyner started at quarterback. So mm-hmm. that tells me that he was fourth in their pecking order. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're trying to uh, maybe. behind Tyner. You know, maybe take a little pressure off of him. And I think here's one other thought on that is that the uh, those horizontal screen passes, they get four or five yards in David Yost's mm-hmm. system. That's kind of the same as, as – Running the football—that's getting. That's what I was going to ask you. These are basically four or five yards easy. They're run plays, right? Like a lot of times, that is what they're going for. And Mike Leach used to do had similar stuff with Mike Leach. It was uh, you know the shovel pass Mm -hmm. to the running backs. I mean, Ricky Williams and Torian Henderson would catch ninety passes a year. It was all little short stuff. So I think that's kind of another way. David Yost kind of views it It was you know four or five, four or five. If they're giving you four or five yards, Mm -hmm. go ahead and take it. That's as good as four or five yards handing the football off. Mm Um, let's see. Yesterday, Texas Tech got schedule. Robert Powell at RP Texan asked, with the 2020 schedule release, made me wonder if Tech has as much input on the dates each team is scheduled in conference only. Um, also, when will Kirby break up UT and OU both as home or away? Um, I, th- I think the schools have a little bit of input, not a lot. The way they used to do this in, until about five years or so ago, the conference would send out about four schedules, four four conference schedules, mm-hmm. and the schools would have a couple of weeks to look at them and give them feedback and kind of circle the one that they really liked and X the one that they really didn't like. And But then they scrapped that. That's how they used to do it, and then I think they would kind of go with the consensus and then – they scrapped that in about the last three, four, five years. It's just been, here's one schedule. If you have a real big problem with it, 
get back to us. Otherwise, this is the schedule. So I think I think they're able to. Um, I think the schools are able to give you a little bit of feedback if there's a particular date or dates that they really want to play on. If there's something that they really want to do, conference will take that into consideration. But um, I mean, when you're talking nine games for ten schools. There's not going to be a discussion on 85 football games, the dates of 85 football games. Well, also, you can make the argument when they're saying this is assuming Tech would want to change it, and maybe they do. I don't know. I, I can't get inside Kirby Hillcutt's head or anyone like that. But you can look at it one way, like this year, where you're going to Norman, you're going to Austin, which isn't favorable. But if you look at the other way, every other year they get both those mm-hmm. teams who can consistently be the best teams in the conference at home. So if you're Texas Tech, would you even want to change that? I mean, you're, what would you think? Because I, well, I actually like the idea of getting them both at home in the same season. This all started after the 2008 season, and here was the thing. In 2008, Tech had one of the best football t- teams that they've ever had and mm-hmm. beat the Longhorns mm-hmm. in Lubbock. And then that set up a game for all the mar- marbles in Norman against the Sooners. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, final score of that game was – 60 to 15, if I remember correctly. Sooners just completely annihilated Texas Tech. You probably had them number one the next week in your King in your King ratings when you were 13 King's years old. King's top 25, first of all, <laughs> not King's rating. I don't like when you try to rebrand me, first of all. Ryan, a quick little aside here, Ryan, is uh, you're like, what, 19 now? And he's been doing like a top 25 since am, he was six years old. I am 26. <laughs> I am 26. And this started when I was ten. Nine, Seriously. Nine, nine, almost 10. You started doing your own weekly top 25 when you were nine years old. Yes, because it started just a little background. I think we've talked about this before. <laughs> On your sheets of notebook paper. You it, actually showed it, me one yes, of the early Yes, literally editions. sheets of notebook paper. But it was because it was the year, 2003, when OU played LSU in the national title. And the AP poll, LSU beat OU, and the AP poll just randomly decided to give the game that next year to USC, and that made me mad. So I was like, well, someone needs to do something about this. So I started making my own rankings, and it's all gone from there. Now it's just something fun to put on Twitter when Don reacts to it every four weeks when he's when he decides to actually look at it. But it's just something for myself. If you want to see him go on Twitter, um, they're usually not too far off from Don's, even though he likes to give me a lot of uh, – Gives me a hard time on my rankings, but they're not too far from yours. I just want you know point that out for you. Okay, so anyhow, back back to the question. Um, this the final of that game was sixty five to twenty one. Sixty five to twenty one. Take blowouts and Norman kind of all run together sometimes. Sixty five to twenty one. So the next week, you probably moved Oklahoma to number one in the uh, Kings top twenty five. I can so go back and look. after that. Okay, and so seriously, after that yeah. year, then Gerald Myers, who was Texas Tech mm-hmm. athletic director, said, you know, you got a great team. If uh, Tech is ever going to, you know, win the Big Twelve, have an opportunity to have to, to knock them all, to mm-hmm. set them all up, and knock them all down, then it probably favors Tech if you do play the big dogs at home, all of the big dogs at home in one year. So Tech actually requested to have Oklahoma and Texas at home, um, and the conference complied with that, and uh, Tech has played. Uh, as, as most fans well know, Texas played OU, Texas at home mm-hmm. together both years and then on the road together the following years. There's been some sentiment to uh, reverse that and break them up. And Then you're always Kirby, having a really, really tough road game. If they are the top two games, every single year you have one of those teams on the road compared to just every other year having mm-hmm. one extra you know road game against those top teams. I Personally, I'm not a Texas Tech fan. I just covered this team for the last couple of years. But if it's me, I would like having two teams that are the 
generally the two top in the conference at home every other year. That seems like an advantage as much as it would be a disadvantage in the odd years. Yeah, and so I haven't asked Curry about this. It's been about, I guess, two or three years since I asked him about it last. There was some discussion. He has asked the conference if that could be that situation could be reversed and break up the two, and it, they weren't really able to do it without a major. It's a lot different now with ten teams when it, than accommodation, when it was ma- ma- yeah. major shuffling around. Yeah. It, it, it kind of they they weren't really able to pull it off, mm-hmm. and so this is kind of where it is for the for the time being. It's going to stay. Probably going to stay this way for the near mm-hmm. future. Um, John Sokoloff, Johnny Socks, asked us. Johnny Socks. From man. Fox 34. Uh, two-part question. If Texas Tech holds Puka Williams to under 60 rushing yards, will that guarantee victory for the Red Raiders? Ryan? Guarantee? I, this is also John, and John's a bit of a jokester. She never know totally 100% what he's That's asking. That's a good question. But... Will that guarantee victory? No, I don't think anything guarantees you victory. But in a more broader sense of what he's asking, I mean that's that's gonna have, that's gonna be how you beat him. I mean he's the second best running back in the conference by yards. He's averaging over a hundred. So yeah, if you hold him to sixty and make them one dimensional and make them throw the ball, Tech forces a bunch of turnovers, makes guys throw interceptions who don't throw interceptions. Brock Purdy, Charlie Brewer, Charlie Brewer had zero hate into that game. So if you're making Carter Stanley try to beat you, you have a really good chance. So. With what he's asking, that is the way that Tech is going to try to win this game. Is early on, Puka to Kansas is going to try to make Puka the force, establish the running game, keep the ball out of Texas Tech's hands. Um, so that's going to be their number one thing: make them one dimensional, make them play from behind, make them have the twenty to nothing hole where Tech is ahead instead of playing from behind. So that's going to be the number one. The number one way to try to beat them is going to stop their running attack because I don't think Kansas is going to throw. If they're only throwing the ball and they're one-dimensional, di- one they're not going to beat Tech by just throwing the ball through the air. See, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there. My answer to John's question is, uh, if Tech holds Puka Williams to under 60 rushing yards, does it guarantee victory? <clears throat> I would say most other years, yes, mm-hmm. because he is hands down the, the best skill position player they have. He is actually he is a Kansas skill position player who can play for the Oklahoma, your Oklahoma Sooners. He's great. Right? I mean, He's, he's a, a great fan, player. He's a fantastic player. Uh, so if they hold them sixty, the so if they hold them sixty most years, I would say yes, guarantees victory. This year though, um, Kansas is throwing the football. They nearly, they nearly beat the uh, Longhorn Saturday night with Carter Stanley winging it, throwing but four I st- touchdown I passes. Still like and here, let me let me throw in a statistic for you. Okay, uh, Carter Stanley, uh, four games this year has thrown at least three touchdown passes, including mm-hmm. that game up at Boston College where they mm-hmm. first got everybody's attention and they mm-hmm. wore out. BC. So there's been four games this year where he's thrown three touchdown passes, and he had four the other night against the Longhorns. And so I think it's kind of, from a Texas Tech perspective, I think you should kind of be scared of this uh, metamorphosis of the this remake of the Kansas offense, where everybody expected, okay, Les Miles is going to put in the typical Les Miles offense, which is going to be traditional, conservative, tight end, fullback, running back, pound, run the football, pound it. Low play, low scoring game, but they have completely gone just the opposite of that. As uh, Keith Patterson mentioned the other day, he said uh, the tapes. He watched four tapes of Kansas football and said what they've been doing the last, what they did Saturday night was nothing like what uh, they looked like at the beginning of the season because they have completely gone spread offense with this. They hired a guy who was a small college head coach. He was a uh, they hired him as a consultant in January. Then they made him offensive coordinator mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and it's been completely okay. Let's throw the, throw the football. 
Brent Deerman is their new offensive coordinator. He was head coach at an NAI school last year. They averaged 55 points a game, most of any team in any level of college football. And Miles said, oh, yeah, we're going to do what he does. We're going to throw it all over the field. And so I think, again, from a tech standpoint, particularly the way your secondary is banged up, I think that's kind of a – that makes you a little nervous. It might be banged up, but it's still playing well in general. If I am Texas Tech and I go into the game and I am told Puka will not be – that's what I was more talking about is making them one-dimensional. If, I'm, if I know Puka's not going to do anything, if he's not getting any yards and you know they have to pass it, I think Tech's staying really good. Now, if they're biting on Puka, if they're biting on play action or short passes and they can create something down the field, that's different. I think Kansas' passing game could impact them, but the question is saying if he's not doing anything, if he's held under 60 yards, will that guarantee a victory? If they are only one-dimensional, they're – I don't think Kansas has much of a chance. If they're just airing it out only in Puka, every time they hand it off, it's just getting stuffed, stuffed, stuffed. I, I don't see it because then you're not biting up at all and you're just having – you can get let four people sit back there. And I don't see Carter Stanley picking apart this secondary regardless of who's banged up. I know Adrian Fry is not going to be out there. But still, they played well. Like, the guys are making plays out there. And I don't think they're going to get burned. You even said their best skill player is their running back. Their wide receivers are not going to make them look bad out there. Yeah. So I think if I know, we'll see. Maybe I'll see, I hope I'm not sending you a text on Saturday night after Carter Stanley throws his fifth touchdown pass. So. Fifth? Man, <laughs> yeah, we'll, my goodness. We'll see. This uh, isn't Texas' defense. Come on, Don. Johnny Sox also asked if he will see the green hoodie in Lawrence. The green hoodie is uh, – what's what do you mean? What's he talking about, the green hoodie? Your green hoodie. My green hoodie. <laughs> you always oh. wear when it gets cold. Like we, it's, a, it's kind of a folklore among Lubbock media. Whenever we see you in the green hoodie, we know two things. One, winter is here. But two, Don Williams is here because you can see it coming from about a mile away. So <laughs> we always wait for it. We can't wait to see it. It's just like it's hoodie mellow, you know, in the, in the NBA when Carmel Anthony would practice in a hoodie. It's kind of how you are. Like we just – it's a different dawn when you see that green hoodie break out. John, I've actually added uh, to the wardrobe. I now have a uh, black and blue, black black and navy hoodie. So I'm probably going to go with the. Oh, blue! You're going to be supporting it's, it's, Kansas. It's so. much more conspicuous. It looks more black than anything. Okay. It's, it's rock chalk. So yeah, so I'll probably be less less okay. conspicuous. Is on it retired? Saturday night in Lawrence? No, no, it's not retired. Okay. Part of the rotation. I'll just leave the green at home this week. <laughs> um. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I normally uh, I didn't write down the name of the individual asked me this question. I apologize. But anyhow, a uh, person asked, does Sir Roderick Thompson is the Red Raiders' best running back since fill in the blank? I would say... Um, I think it's fairly obvious, but you can tell me what you think. I would say DeAndre Washington, but I would also say that with a caveat mm-hmm. because... Sir Roderick Thompson's got a long way to go to get to DeAndre Washington level. I mean, all they're saying is like he's as good since him, so better than sense. everyone. Since I mean, because you're talking, you know, DeAndre in 14 average it went for 1,100 yards, and in 15 he went for 1,492. He averaged six yards per carry mm-hmm. those two years, mm-hmm. and so uh, you're not at DeAndre Washington's level yet. But is uh, Sir Roderick Thompson? So then the question is, uh, Sir Roderick Thompson is you're saying he is he is he as good as DeLeon Ward? Mm-hmm. Is he as good as Justin Stockton? Completely different style of running back from Justin Stockton. But and DeLeon was really talented, but couldn't stay on the field for different reasons. Didn't have the production that Sir Roderick has shown so far this year. So I think it's he's not as good as DeAndre Washington, but that's clearly since DeAndre, there's kind of been – I mean, you can tell me. It seems like it's a fair statement. It's There's kind of been a lull at running back since probably, DeAndre yeah. graduated. So I'd say pro- he's probably the best since then. But now DeLeon, I do think, was very talented, just couldn't – quite get there 
Um, let's see. Uh, Sir Roderick, by the way, on pace for about 750, something like that, which is good when you're a redshirt freshman. Um, a lot of touchdowns, too. He gets the ball on the one-yard line. Yeah, I mean, he runs hard. Yeah. Maybe he didn't have that, quite as much speed as you want, that but second I mean, he runs hard. Against Iowa State, he barely got in. You know, the one he's like leaning over the goal line. He had like three yeah, cyclones yeah. on. That's a good run. Uh, Follow up question Starting quarterback week one of 2020 is? You can start that one. Uh, I think it'll be, I think it's going to be Alan Bowman. I would guess Alan Bowman, but Mac, Maverick McGovern, he was really talking about a lot. And who knows with an offseason if Alan doesn't play again the rest of the year, I don't think it'll be Jet. But if he doesn't play the rest of the year and he and Maverick McGovern, Neither have really played, you know, much this year. Maverick, Maverick, maybe not at all. Allen will not have played in 11 months by then. I could see it being MacGyver potentially. Potentially, yeah. Like I say, those... Uh... Year two is also when you can make those kind of moves. Once you've implemented your system, you can kind of start making... Look at Marlene Stallings' team. She gutted that team after her first year. I mean, MacGyver looks the part, and he certainly has the bloodlines. I mean, when I was a young man, his dad was uh, a rocket arm quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. Um, you know, he's athletic. He played uh, a wide receiver when he was on his varsity mm-hmm. when he was a freshman in high school. Looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like I say, those first couple of weeks in August, he was impressing them before he hurt the foot and went down. So I, I do. Agree I, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's inconceivable. But mm-hmm. uh, but I would say Alan Bowman at this point, and I'll throw in Probably. as well. Some folks have. A lot of folks have said Alan Bowman should just hang it up. Uh, he's injury prone. Give me a break. When you get hammered yes. by two guys coming in opposite mm-hmm. directions who both hit you in the ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole. There, most quarterbacks are going to feel that and be hurt. Mm-hmm. And when you get ground into the turf for two or three yards, the way the linebacker did Arizona, mm-hmm. a lot of people's collarbones are going to break or shoulders are going to separate. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's injury prone. I think he's been the unfortunate um, victim of some two in particular, just really massive hits that mm-hmm. the body doesn't. Not on, not just his body, but most of our bodies would not react well to. Mm-hmm. So. I think Ballon will uh, – there's no point for him to want to retire from football. No. And not, obviously in the competitor in him certainly wants to get back out there. Mm-hmm. So, And this is going to lead into another question. Betsy Blaney asked, uh, when is Alan Bowman expected back? What do you think, Ryan? Good Lord. Well, I'll, I, I'll take it first. You can think about it. I'll say sometime in November. Sometime in November I think they're going to have a decision to make. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be ready for West Virginia. I think they will x-ray him um, maybe next week. It's not this week from my understanding. Maybe next week they will x-ray him again. During the bye week. See what the mm-hmm. uh, shoulder slash collarbone looks like. And then at that point, okay, then, they, then the medical people say, is it healed enough for him to return to football activities or is it not? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, it, uh, if it is, let's say it is. Let's say they x-ray him next week. They, the medical people say you're good to go. He gets back out there. Uh, I don't think he would be necessarily ready for West Virginia with uh, rustiness, but I think there will be a point, and here's where here's where the uh, hard part's going to come in. I think there will be a point where, say, with two regular season games left, three regular season games left, then you got to make a call. Do you want to? Uh, do we need you to play? Do we want you to play? Mm-hmm. Are you, you the best option? Which I think he probably is. Um, and Allen, do you want to burn a year of eligibility when? Uh, if you, you can play in one more game, maintain your red shirt, but if you play in two more games, then you're a junior next year. Do you want to do that? 
I I've and I've listened to you talk about this. We've talked about this in person. I don't love the idea of burning a year just to say they're sitting at something like four and six. They got to win those last two games, or they're five and five. Just trying to get to a bowl game so badly that you burn what could be a redshirt year. And Jed has not played so bad that these questions keep coming up. When Allen's when is Allen going to be back? When's he going to be healthy? Jed has played well enough, and you could argue better than when how Allen was playing when Allen went out. That I even if he's healthy, I get that you might just make the call. He's going to come in there, but he might not even be the best guy for the job right now. Coming off an injury, the way he was playing before the injury, and the way Jed is playing right now, and you factor in that he could redshirt if he just only plays one or zero games the rest of the year. I don't know why you would rush him back out there unless in the next two weeks he's completely healthy and Jet against Kansas throws four picks and looks terrible. Outside of that, I, I don't get what, what the rush is to get him back. Jet's playing well, and that redshirt's still very much an option unless it's just really, really important to Matt Wells to get to a bowl game and show there's improvement regardless of the redshirt year or how ready he is or anything like that. Okay, so we got one more question. It's kind, of, it's kind of along the same lines from Jay Robert Mildner, and he asked, uh, would it be wise to redshirt Bowman or with recruiting and current player roster, or are we past that point? Now here, I'm, I'm going to throw, I'm going to bring in another angle. So uh, here's another angle to this discussion, mm-hmm. and that is you have two games left. Let's say you have two games left. Uh, Allen wants to play the competitor in him, wants to get out mm-hmm. there and win football games and get his team to a football game. Mm-hmm. And if in David Yost and Matt Will's mind he is your best choice, then I think you owe it to guys like Jordan Brooks and Broderick Washington to put your best team on the field. That's what mm-hmm. a lot of times people get a lot of these discussions what gets lost in a lot of these discussions, I think. There are some folks who want to, you know, play all the young guys and play for next year, but that's a disservice to your seniors who only have this year left. Mm-hmm. And so whenever that uh Time comes, I think that's got to be a part of the discussion too. What team gives Jordan Brooks and what personnel gives Jordan Brooks and Broderick Washington and Douglas Coleman mm-hmm. their best chance to play, uh, keep playing in December? And something that kind of goes along that question that I wouldn't really care about who's coming in, who's on the roster, how the recruiting looks. Because at that days now, the amount of guys that transfer that graduate after three years, their grad transfers at other programs, you can always tell Alan if someone beats him out a year from now or after next season, you say, well, he's graduated, he can go be a grad transfer somewhere else. So I, I don't think it matters of who else is on the roster, who else is coming in. There's always a way to get out, move to a different school or whatever. But I do think, I agree with you, it's a very much a balancing act between playing for this year, trying to get to that bowl game. At the same time, if you know Alan is your guy going forward, would you really rush him out there if you're not totally sure he's right on that edge? But let's just put him out there because we got to make a bowl game. Is one bowl game really worth what it could potentially again cost for the seniors? The for the seniors, yes. But Matt Wells has to have a bigger look at the program uh, than that, right? I think Matt Wells has. To, I think I think you have. To, I think that's a big consideration. Is you owe it to your seniors who have. I mean, you've invested your. They've invested their all these times, all these hours, all their summer workouts mm-hmm. and being the best they can be for your school, I think uh, that they're a big consideration in it. Okay, on to, let's see, a couple other questions. Brad Brad Tollison asked, and Brad has a schedule question, who do you predict Texas Tech will play in week two in 2020? I was told off the record uh, about a couple of months ago, um, so I'm not going to disclose the school, who the leader, who, who the primary school is that they've been talking to, but it'll be it'll be an FCS school. Because, I mean, Tech's Kirby's scheduling philosophy is play a Power 5 opponent 
play a regional group of five, like a UTEP, uh, mm-hmm. North Texas, and an FCS, New Mexico, those schools, and then play one FCS. So it's the the school that they're looking for is so would fill the FCS spot. And those are easier there. to schedule, right? As far as I know, you can get those a lot easier. The power fives you have to go way in advance, and even group of five, you can't get a couple months before the season. And FCS you could probably get. Come January, you could grab someone and say, "Hey, come down to the and Jones those, for a game." Same with those. I mean, you have FCS schools that want to do that. So mm-hmm. a lot of them want to do that because uh, you're going to pay them money, and they're, it's going to be a big part of their budget for mm-hmm. that year. I heard it could be Alabama or LSU. Is that is that the case that you heard? I, I don't think it's going to be Alabama or uh-huh. LSU. Not to get your but hopes it could up. Be. Yeah, yeah. Was there any cool? Uh, Power five, any cool opponent in general, non-conference that uh, the Sooners played in year years in Norman? Uh, yeah, Ohio State. Ohio State. I'd love to see Ohio State come here. I heard about that in the early 2000s. We asked that question last week when they went to the horseshoe. I've, I've been to the horseshoe. I'd love to see Justin Fields out at the Jones. That'd be awesome. I'd love <laughs> yeah. to see Ohio State. That'd be kind of scary. Uh, okay, now onto the, I guess we've reached the comic relief portion of our program. Well, not the comic relief portion. Here, here's one that is, uh, this is a serious question. It's just not football. Who wins the World Series? Quick answer, Ryan. World Series winner. I'm still, Prediction. I'm not a huge baseball person. I'm going with the Astros for two reasons. One, they're more talented. I'm going to stick with that. Two, Jose Altuve is one of my heroes in sports because he's because he's very short and he's incredible. He's actually short. I think he's five six. He's actually shorter. So you are people. I'm five seven. So people that know you're me, not five seven. I am five. Why does everyone say that? I, I promise <laughs> you, I am five seven. Yeah, I'm going to lie about that. I'm really five six. I'm going to trick all of you. Uh, so I pull for short guys in general in athletics. So Jose Altuve, uh, but I also think the Astros are more talented, even though even though they're in a one zero hole. Whatever. I said Astros and six going in. I'll, so now I'll say Astros and seven, I guess. Since Just double, say Astros and five. I'll say Astros. I don't, I don't think they're going to win the next four. No, I'll say Astros and seven. Okay, now the comic relief portion of our program. Uh, Brett Logan asked, if you have to get into a Twitter fight, would you rather take on SMU or UCF? What is he talking about? Twitter so in general, I have my UCF. top 25s that no one really, I don't really get a whole lot of heat back other than what you call Johnny Sox this week uh, tweeted me Homer. That was the only response I got. I don't know. I think it was just Johnny being Johnny. But uh, you actually have a real top 25, and you get a lot of blowback. I saw, I sit next to you at the weekly press conferences. I did see the hate you were getting from Appalachian State, which was pretty funny. As far as someone said, 6 and 0, this is more bulletin board material. All you did is like it because you like to tweak people. But in general, everyone knows last year you were down on UCF. You'd always have them low in the no one, 20s, no one teens. down on UCF. I compared to the National. Were, compared to the National, I didn't think this they were year, as good as... Yeah. you had SMU behind Texas A&M. I mm-hmm. saw that. Mm-hmm. And so people were fired up this that week. SMU's this undefeated, week. and A&M has lost three games. Now, SMU's best win is against TCU. And the A&M argument, I'm with you. They've lost to Auburn, Clemson, and Alabama, three of the top. Ten teams Top for 10, sure. Ten teams from the country. So that's your argument: is that A and M lost to these teams closer than yeah, SMU these other did. schools would? If Appalachian State and SMU and all these schools played Alabama, Clemson, and um, Auburn, would they have the same outcomes as the Aggies? Would they play the, those schools as close as the Aggies have? I don't believe so. And you love head to head. Pardon? You love head-to-head also. So do you – because you mentioned sometimes how yeah. you think a team will play. If they play each other, I assume you would imagine Texas A&M to win the game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. And I mean, looked, if Texas A&M and SMU played this week, what would the spread be? What would you think? Neutral site? Yeah. A&M by seven. 
Yeah. Something like that. Right. Yeah. A touchdown or more. And somewhere between seven and somewhere between seven and ten, twelve points, I think. And my am, just in my amateur looking at my rankings, uh A and M has looked better in their losses than even their wins. They beat Arkansas by less than a touchdown. They beat uh some other what Who's the other SEC win they have? Someone like Arkansas, both by less than touchdowns, but then they lost to Alabama Ole by... Miss. Beat Ole Miss this past week. Ole Miss by three or ten. seven or whatever. Ten, yes, ten. ten by them, and Arkansas by four. But then they beat... They lost to Clemson by ten. They lost to Auburn by like four, and Alabama by 12 or so. Those are good losses, so I well, do agree with Alabama's you. Alabama's 47 to 23. 19. Clemson was... Uh, I forget Clemson. Ten, right? Uh, Auburn was 28 to 20. Anyhow, See, like, those are not bad losses. So anyhow, the uh, group of five fans of group of five skills. You know, I, I just kind of take turns with which which of them dislike me this week. Appala- Appalachian State people are kind of uh, they're tactful though. Nobody's really surly toward me. They're they're nice. <laughs> Some SMU people are kind of uh, they're they're kind of angry. But UCF, I mean UCF is uh, nobody tops UCF. Well, those, the, the people are spirited. Where do they even find your rankings? You don't tweet them out. Or well, they're, no, they're public. The the AP and there's also you can all all the ballots are public at uh, College Poll Tracker. Okay, I'll college, just start checking college, that out. Every college week. They're also on Twitter. College What's your Poll Tracker right is. Uh, well, some top five or boy, you're putting me on the spot here. Right? I'm yeah. trying to think. You're testing my Alabama memory. LSU have to be your top. It's two. It's Alabama. Uh, Alabama number one. Ohio. I moved to Ohio State's number two this week. Mm. Uh, Clemson number three, Oklahoma number four, and LSU number five. Wow, a lot of disrespect for LSU. Uh, well, it's interesting. Okay. Well, on, their, their win against Texas doesn't look as good when. But they also uh, Kevin, flattened Florida. When, when Kansas nearly beats Texas at home. They flattened Florida too, though. Those are good. But to answer the question, Twitter fight, UCF. No, nobody comes close to UCF people for uh, spirit Yet. and enthusiasm for their school. Give a whole season. Now UCF people are even, even arguing, coming at me on behalf of SMU people. <laughs> on behalf of SMU. If SMU finishes 12-0 and and you have them ranked number 19, they're going to be pretty fired up. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, here's the thing with SMU. They're 7-0, and but uh, all the uh, their toughest games are on, on the back half of their schedule. Uh, let's see. Um... David Collier from Collier on TV. You know David. Uh, I'm familiar. Red Raider Nation. You can see him weeks, nights, six and ten. Uh, well, we're really K-Mag. helping these others. These K Mac, Fox. <laughs> really helping out all these others. I'm the one here. We're just telling them, hey, what? Watch K Mac every night. Watch Fox every night. Man, watch KLDK every night. How about that? Especially on I'm Saturdays gonna, and Sundays. I'm going pa- to pass the hat for this for the advertising these guys are getting. You hear, you hear me, guys? On Monday, I'm going to be coming around passing the hat. David Collier asks, why are you called discount? And this is a question, it's not for me, this is for uh, Ryan okay. King. Only one person calls me discount, and it's Don here. No, this Utah, this, there originated, was a, this originated elsewhere. This a was cam- not me. Uh, one of our camera guys at the station who is no longer there, so I don't even see him. So no, literally, the only person that calls me that is you, Don. So you but can, this, you originated, this originated, though, it's your yes, workplace. I was, so... For those of you that don't know, K-Mac and KLBK are a duopoly, meaning they're two stations in one. So I used to it work... used to be called Texas Size. Sure. I, I can't confirm or deny that one. So I was the reporter back when Bailey Burmaster was here. So I appeared on both stations. So I was a fill-in for David Collier. So in general, when Bailey was gone and it would go from Collier to myself in the uh, you know day-to-day, they'd be like, Man, Ryan, the first the first one was Ryan. You're like a bargain bin, David Collier, and I was like, that's not very good. The next day, he comes to me and says, 
you know uh, what I actually call you? I don't like, I, I call you Discount David. And I told you that, Don. You just thought it was so funny. You've taken off. So now you don't even call me Discount David or Discount Dave. Now it's just Discount. Well, I thought you were also called The Discount. The Whatever discount. you want to call me. But yes, now my nickname with Don has become Discount, referring that I look like David Carr. But we found out a couple weeks ago, that's not my real one. It's Matt Rule is my real doppelganger. So we can't do both ways. Because, no, you don't look like Carl. You look like Matt Rule. But at the same time, it's like, oh, he's a Discount David. He looks just like David. It's like, did well, Matt, they don't look like each other. So pick one, everyone. Did Matt Rule live in Tulsa 27 years ago? Yeah, I hope not. Um, and actually, that replaces the other nickname that... Uh, Right, oh, used to have, which was, was junior, junior Sooner. Junior Sooner. Because you and David both went to the University of Oklahoma. And that's been a thing this week. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. I, I anchored with Leah Doherty. Shout out, Leah. So I kind of went for the rhyming there initially. And Boomers. The junior, junior Sooner. Junior, junior Sooner. And, and this then, last and set. Now, and now, again, you have the alliteration element. Yeah. Go discount Dave. I mean, yeah, the, the schooner flipped over on Saturday, so they brought that? that up on the show. And they're like, oh, Ryan didn't like that because he's an OU grad. And, you know, people love bringing that up. I don't bring it up myself, but I'll talk about it if you want. So but yeah, it was not a great side, I'll say that. The schooner's also retired for the rest of the year. I don't know if you saw that. It's out, I did not. The out for the rest of the year. The schooner's Done for the rest of the year? That's very sad. I know there's what, not a backup. Of safety reasons? Uh, I would imagine it's they're going to have to fix it. There's only, what, five weeks left? They don't take it on, uh, like, bowl games anyway. I mean, it would be out in the town. but um, So this is kind of a similar situation to back in 1992. Okay, the master rider, the horse, mm-hmm. always used to, you know, run all over, around, sort of circle the field. And way back, like in the 60s, I think you had to run up the slope on the north end of the stadium The 1992 game against Wyoming, if I as I recall correctly, the horse actually bumped the game official, one of the game officials when he was circling the field, and so mm. because of that reason, that's why the they kind of reined in the horse. Well, the I don't horse think can't, can't run as much. I don't think it's going to stop at OU after every touchdown they do a little loop. I don't think that's going to stop, but they're probably going to build it a little where it's not so top <laughs> heavy and you can just flip over so easily. <laughs> so they'll fortify it. I'm sure they'll make it safer. Um, it's not going to be gone for good. It's just gone the rest of the year. There's no way they'd get rid of that for good. Lower the center of gravity that's on exactly the center That's exactly right. Scanner. Okay. Well, I guess that's going to about wrap us up for this No, week. I still have oh, something you, for oh, you, Don. You and you're the guy who said, oh, i got to be done by three. No, I did not say. I said we need to start no later than three. So here we go. Some trivia for you. The first one you're easily going to get. This is not the official Twitter, the official trivia question. But in general. You prepare me for this. You didn't warn me about this. No, of course I didn't. I want to see what you know. They're not easy. The first one is. So Texas Tech, Kansas, all time, quite a few times, Kansas has won once. Mm. Who was the starting quarterback when they played? Tech or Kansas? For Texas Tech. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Obviously, you know that. I found that out, I think, a year or two ago. I thought that was very interesting. And Cliff had some kind of injury that night, and B.J. Simmons actually came into that game. Even telling me stuff on my trivia question, that's great. So here are a two-part one. One is harder than the other. So I had an original one that is incredibly difficult, I did not expect you to get, so I'm going to give you that one second. But I'll give you credit if you get either of these right. So first of all, when was the last time, all time, I, went, I go to Winsipedia for a lot of this stuff, comparing the two teams. Texas Tech has 11 conference titles. Kansas has five. When was the last time Kansas won a conference title? What year? Uh, well, was it, was it any of the Mangino years there in the late part of the decade? Got I don't guess. Uh-huh. You got to guess. I don't know. No, it wouldn't have been 09. It wouldn't have been 08. Yes, what conference was it? What conference did they win? That's a good question. I think you, let me think. 
You've probably stumped me. I don't know. I'll go. Actually, I'll go back to the nineteen. About nineteen seventy-three. About seventy-four. They had, they had some good teams here with David James and Delvin Wood. Not too far off. It's the Big Eight. Their last one was nineteen sixty-eight. Sixty. I, I was about to say sixty-eight. You, you could have got. I, I thought you had a good 70. chance of getting that one. Because in seventy-three, seventy-four, they had a good, great quarterback named David James. They had a NFL running back named Delvin Williams. Played well, for the Dolphins in sixty-eight. Then, that was their last conference title. They tied with Oklahoma, co-champs that year. Now, here's the tough one. Everyone talks about, you know, Tech needs to get better. They have to Who was the running back? Who was playing running back for? In uh, 1968. They, they, they had some pretty high-profile NFL people on that Who was it? team, I think. John Riggins, maybe John Hadle, John Zook, defensive end. You're showing off now, Don. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not some, charming, some, you know. They had some great personnel back then. Here's the other okay. one. Tech in general, people want them to get back how they were in 2008. They want them to get back winning Big 12 titles, getting close, maybe even the playoff. Well, Kansas went 12-1 and back in 2007, right? They went to the Orange okay, Bowl. So that's what I was thinking. Great yeah. year. They've only had one winning record since then in 2008 when they went 8-5. and Since that 2007 season, Tech has had a better record than the Jayhawks every single year. How many more games have the Red Raiders won than Kansas since the 2007 season? Uh, and I'll give you – you can guess. I can give you four total, options. Total number? Total, total number. number of more, more wins than Kansas over those 11 seasons. Sam, wait a minute. You said – okay, so starting in – The 2008 season. Starting the 2008 season. So How many right. more wins does Texas Tech have than Kansas? Uh, let's say an average of 3.5 per year. Starting with uh, starting in 08, you said, right? Starting in so 08. So that would be 12 seasons. Uh, so I'll say 38. Not too far off, but it's incorrect. But I will give you four options if you'd like to guess. Okay, give me the four. We have 42, 45, 47, or 49. Uh, since I said 38, I'll say 42. 45. 45. Texas Tech. I know Kansas has been the bottom of the Big 12. But just remember, Tech fans... This team was 12 and 1 back in 2007. The very next year, Tech went 11 and 1, and since then, Tech has won 45 more games than Kansas. Yeah. Well, there's been it's going to be much worse. Tech had some 5 and 7s and 6 and 6s mixed in there. Uh, they haven't had any 0 and 12s like Kansas has. <laughs> I, I can tell you that. That was a big year. I think that was about a 7 win difference. I think Tech won 7 that year. Yeah. So you're right. 2 so far Don. I'm going to try I'm trying to you gauge. have more. No, I'm just saying on a weekly basis. I'm not trying to make these too incredibly difficult. That's why my, my wins one I thought was pretty insanely hard, so I tried to get you with the conference title. One of these weeks you'll get it, but as of now, I have stumped the Don You're once stumped. again. The, go- the goat, as I call it. He's in my phone as Do- Don the Goat. Well, that's good to know. So, All righty. I guess that'll wrap us up for this week, I think. Unless Ryan has any, Mr. Personality has anything else. I'm just happy to be here, Don. This has been, I've always wanted to do a podcast. Now I'm getting to do this, and now I get to do it with Mr. Don Williams of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. This is a dream come true. I hope we can do it again sometime. Next week, he's probably going to want to do a podcast here with Alexis Cubitt. On the Eventually, it'll just be me by myself at this point. <laughs> You can put it on kingratings.com, which is wide open. That Kingstop25.com. Kingstop25.com. I think that domain name is available for the taking. You can have your top 25 each week and your podcast. Whatever, Don. All right. Whatever. If you want to rebrand me, that's fine. You, you're the one that has, like, what, 50,000 followers on Twitter or whatever. I don't, so. All right. That's going to wrap it up for, for us, from us for this week. We appreciate uh, everybody uh, listening, and we always solicit your questions. 
So um, you can send questions to at AJ underscore Don Williams. You can send questions to at CM Silva Jr., which is Carlos's account. And you can send questions, I guess, to at uh, Ryan underscore King underscore now. Is Man, that right? nailed it. Look at that, Don. Yeah, that's, I'm trying to get to 1,000. Just, I just want to get to those four, four digits there. I want a little comma in my followers. So we're getting close. This week I'll be out at post. Post taken on sundown. No package this week, but if you go to my Twitter, you'll see our my pregame hype video for Monterey Coronado. That's kind of dated at this point, but it's on there if you want to if you want to go support, you want to see it. Uh, but yeah, this week post Sundown setting up a big matchup of undefeated teams, probably between Post and New Deal next week. Are you and Alexis Cubit uh, from the AJ going to uh, be at the same game this week? No. Okay. <laughs> no, we maybe next week when it's post New Deal. You know that that one's actually a big one. Maybe you know probably for the district, but. Post and I expect to be the only person out there shooting the antelopes. That's I'd be stunned if I saw anyone I knew. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening and uh, for sending us sending in questions for uh, Ryan King and for Alexis Cubit, who was uh, running our board. Great producer, uh, producing us. I'm Don Williams from AJ Media. Uh, take care. We'll talk to you again next week.